0: All of us are on a journey of becoming, a complicated journey in pursuit of truth and deeper knowledge of the divine. Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing and that it can be a painful and difficult journey and far too often we are not given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson and I too am on a journey of becoming. I am dedicated to inviting you into my journey and creating a space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. I want to take an honest look at the issues and questions plaguing the Christian church today. I want to genuinely seek out what it means to live like Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our unfolding and expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. I have come to know that doubt is not the enemy of faith but it is perhaps one of its greatest allies. I have learned that the Christian faith is more about wisdom and love than it is about correct doctrine or belief. And I believe that we are being invited to continually seek out both wisdom and love, renewing our minds, expanding our hearts, and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining me on that journey. all right welcome to a, another episode of the rethinking faith podcast as always i am your host josh patterson and with me today is my friend ariel aka trans regret snoopy and maybe you're asking yourself wait a minute josh do you mean the, the trans regret snoopy as in the trans regret snoopy who also presents the bible and the answer is yes yes they are here and we're going to hang out. Thank you. <laughs> How's Thank that for you. an introduction? I've been working That's on my introduction. That's
1: wonderful. I yeah. <laughs> felt like there was a drum roll going that whole time. That was really good. I feel very welcomed here.
0: Oh, sweet. Well, yeah, I've been trying to work on my welcomes. And so there I just wrote out my first like thought out welcome of a guest. So there we go. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: the, the musings of Josh on Sunday mornings. All right. So, um, Again, welcome. Uh, Listeners, you may not know this, but I had the privilege of hanging out uh, on the Trans Regrets To Be podcast a little while back, and um, we've been trying to do another episode together for Rethinking Faith, and today is the day that that's happening. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, if you wouldn't mind, could you just for people who are not familiar uh, with you or your podcast, just give us a little bit of background information about uh, who you are, maybe Tell us about your podcast a bit
1: uh absolutely yeah um so like you said my name is ariel i do a podcast called trans regret snoopy presents the bible it's um it's a bible study podcast primarily uh, i used to kind of say it's a bible podcast not a christian podcast but with the way that my own faith has grown and changed it's kind of become a christian podcast as much as it is a bible podcast i'm um I, uh, I try to approach uh, the Bible with reverence and, and I, I really delight in being able to, to read it and analyze it, but we also challenge scripture and, and we, um, we come up against it and we think about what its context is in our world today and, and how it affects us as people of varying backgrounds and, and varying even faith traditions. Looking at scripture as not just a way that we can um, embolden ourselves and our faith, but uh, a way that we can live better today and, uh, and and treat each other better and just be better people. Um, I've had the privilege of having all kinds of amazing people on the show, from podcasters like yourself and um, personal friends to uh, musicians and um, and writers, and it's just been a real joy. I I just absolutely love doing it.
0: Awesome. Well, I also would say, too, it's like probably definitely my favorite Bible podcast. <laughs> as somebody that has <laughs> as somebody you. that has a very difficult time, if I'm honest, reading the Bible. Um, I, I really enjoy it. And um, I think like I was joking around, uh, I did an episode a little while ago with an Old Testament scholar, former professor of mine. Uh, Eric Seibert, and I told him that I actually, I enjoy reading about the Bible (laughs) more than I do reading the Bible. (laughs) It's like, I like studying the Bible, but I don't know what to actually do with the Bible. Mm. That makes sense. I'm like, ah, what is this book and what do I do with it? Yeah,
1: I mean, and that's where we talked a little bit about before we started recording about the uh, uh, about different translations and and, and how they sort of approach scripture and how they inform us and how to read it and and how we can interpret things differently based on uh, what we're pulling from these translations. But it's true of so many people that they uh, they're good Christians, you know, with with stars around the phrase, but they just they have trouble engaging. Uh, They have trouble um, coming to the scripture with, uh, with an open mind and, and being able to read it in a way that um, allows you to engage with it and not just let it kind of wash over you. Like you want to swim in it. You don't want to just get soaked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I like that. And uh, it it reminds me too, I was recently talking to a a friend of mine, uh, Gabe Gordon, and we were talking about um, reading the Bible and such. And he was pointing out, I was like, yeah, well like, you know, it's like a relatively, like newer idea within church history that like we should like sit down and read our Bibles by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And like, that's fine. Like people do that. I, you know, I'm not against that, but he was talking about like how, you know, for the overwhelming majority of church history, it's been like this communal practice. And so I think like doing a podcast like yours where you're actually like engaging with scripture in a communal way um, is really cool. And so like, hopefully We can try to do that today because basically, I just want to steal the idea of what your podcast is and just do that, but on this podcast (laughs) with you as the guest. (laughs) I can't wait! No, no, I think we
1: picked we picked a really, really great bit of scripture to talk about today, too. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. So the the passage that we're gonna we're gonna use, um, listeners, if you want to like grab a Bible and look it up or whatever, is going to be Colossians chapter one verses fifteen through twenty. But before we Jump in. I f- like thought just for like clarity's sake, um, I would I want to talk a little bit about like this phrase called the cosmic Christ, um, because I'm definitely going to bring like a very like mystical, spiritual, almost like maybe a little bit woo woo kind of lens to the conversation, and I'm going to throw this phrase around cosmic Christ a lot. So I thought maybe. If I'd kind of tried to define it, or at least give an example, like a pointer to what I'm pointing to, that could be helpful. What do you
1: think? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I, the, the way you described when we first started talking about, it, I mean, it just sounds cool, right? Cosmic Christ, like right on. That's like super righteous, like imagining Jesus, like <laughs> on a surfboard, like riding through the waves of the eternity of, of space. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it's a cool concept, but it's hard sometimes to like, okay, so what do you actually mean? What, what do you mean when you say cosmic Christ, what, what comes into your mind?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I will, I'm going to steal a definition that I thought was helpful. And then I'm going to lay out, like, just throw a few Bible verses, um, since we're talking about Bible stuff, um, to know that, you know, this isn't just, you know, getting pulled out of thin air, so to speak. Uh, but there's a really helpful book that I enjoyed. Maybe it's not for everybody. Uh, the foreword is by Richard Rohr. The afterword is by uh, Ken Wilber. So for listeners who know those who those people are, you know exactly what kind of book this is. Uh, but the book is called, Is Your God Big Enough, Close Enough, You Enough, Jesus and the Three Faces of God. And it's by a gentleman named Paul R. Smith. And uh, actually, Paul, reading this book is what like made me choose this passage. <laughs> like Paul's influence will be felt in our conversation today. So Paul, if you ever listen to this, thank you. Uh, but here's what Paul has to say in his book. He said, the historical Jesus was a conscious, divine, physical human being. The risen Jesus was and is Jesus himself with us now in his energetic spiritual body and personality. The cosmic Christ looks like a cosmic scale Jesus, infinite consciousness, infinite divinity and the whole physical universe rolled up into one seamless package of infinite being and finite becoming, all of reality without separation.
1: Wow. Boom. There Love Cosmic Christ. So
0: that's that's from Paul. So thank you, Paul. And uh, here's I'll throw some some Bible verses at you, give a little bit of commentary and then see what you think. Does that sound good? Yeah. Sure. Cool. So one that is probably very familiar uh to most people would be John 8 12, which says, I am the light of the world. And so, John, the Gospel of John is my favorite because it has like a very uh, high uh, Christology. And so, here I see John as uh, basically Jesus in this chapter, or in this verse from John, is speaking as the cosmic Christ, as what uh, we'd refer to as the cosmic Christ. And the Greek word translated as world in this verse is uh, the word uh, cosmos, or what we're, you know, we say cosmos. Uh, which is a reference to the entire universe, literally everything. So mm-hmm. a better way to translate this verse would be, "I am the light of the cosmos," and so that is Jesus speaking as the cosmic Christ. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs>
1: uh, so it, the first thing, thir- first thing that comes to my mind, really, when you when you say something like, "I am the light of the world," it's like it immediately reflects back to me <clears throat> in uh, the in the sermon on the Mount where we're told, uh, or Jesus tells the people listening to him, uh, that the, the, the followers of Jesus are the light of the world. So we have this connection here, not just as a, uh, you know, Jesus, cosmic Christ, uh, as the light in the entire universe, but that like, uh, that mission, that task, that assignment in a way is, is uh, carried on through into us as human beings and our light is or or our task is to be the light in this world in the in, in the world that we inhabit but jesus then is much uh much older much larger much um much more uh, eminent and so you know his light is one that that spreads throughout the universe
0: oh man you've been reading my notes <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely that's so good that'll tie in nicely later because i i uh in like the passage we're going to talk about um i wanted to make that point that like we are the the light of the the world or light of the universe mm-hmm. so even even more perfect we're already on the same page <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun <laughs> all right the the next one is uh another fun one that's um super familiar and it's uh, John 1.14. The word became flesh and lived among us. And so here, what I see John doing is equating Jesus as the eternal uh, logos, which is what the, in, there in that the sentence, the word became flesh. Word is the Greek word uh, logos, which is like the divine logic, like the pattern of the universe. Is John is equating Jesus to that. <laughs> and so we see like, these crazy claims that like there is not a division between like natural and supernatural like human and divine but rather they're like two aspects of the same reality Mm -hmm. because this cosmic christ this the divine logos became flesh which is the greek word sarx uh which just doesn't just mean like people flesh it just basically means like all of stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. so flesh can you know, be yeah can yeah. be uh, misleading um and so like for me this is actually one of the passages that i like to to use cuz i for me the incarnation is like where the magic in christianity happens um like i like to speak about the incarnation as like salvific um in a sense but yeah so like that's another cosmic christ bit hmm. uh this cosmic thing taking on flesh breaking the distinction between natural and supernatural human and divine
1: the um the idea of jesus as the word or the wisdom has always fascinated me um that the divine logic that it comes through christ because uh, of a couple of reasons i've al- i've always tried to wrestle in my mind with this notion that god can learn because uh, for so much of my life and and i think most people that grew up in in the church or or had sort of a more traditional christian education is that God is unchanging? That God is eternal. That uh, that that God is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, and that um, everything has already been mapped out and everything's already been planned out. Now, that's that's a notion that has lost its charm for me. I think as I get older and I try to mature, not just as a person but in faith, I I really have a hard time seeing the you know reading Scripture and seeing a God that doesn't learn, that isn't changing. And and so like where Jesus comes into scripture, where Jesus comes into our um into the into the text that we have is when it really feels like the word of God is transformed, uh, that the message of God, that uh, you know, his not just his uh the way he communicates with people, but um what he wants to communicate changes when Jesus comes around. And so you're like God is learning through. Uh, through the introduction of Jesus in the world. And that to me is a fascinating thing because it's like it's God's um, intellectual arm into the world. Uh, is sending Jesus down. But there's another reason why this notion really interests me and it's because of uh the character of lady wisdom in the proverbs. And and because uh char- this uh wisdom is characterized in the Old Testament in a feminine way and it's super super fascinating to me that then John it reintroduces this notion of God's wisdom, the wisdom that's there with God from the beginning as a man, as a human man. And uh and gosh, is that ever challenging? I mean, it really, really brings up so many questions.
0: Oh yeah. So many. And I love it because now this conversation just went like from cosmic Christ to like open and relational slash process theology, which is fantastic. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And the, and the wisdom stuff, like one of my favorite books um, that I've read in recent memory was the wisdom Jesus by Cynthia Bourgeau. It is fantastic. Highly recommend it. Um, but also this morning, even I was reading I'm reading like this new historic Jesus studies book that came out and they were talking about uh, like wisdom being manifested as like Sophia, uh, like the, you know, Sophia wisdom of God or whatever, and then describing that to Jesus, um, which is, you know, again, another really interesting thing uh, oh, yeah. going on here. Um, yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's cool, uh, man. This is already so much fun. I <laughs> <laughs> I never have fun talking, you know, doing Bible study. This is great.
1: All right, let's it Should be fun. It should always be fun. And that's that's the thing that like more than anything, not to plug my show again mid mid conversation, but it to me it's like we can have fun when we talk about scripture. We can be challenged when we talk about scripture. We can come up with new ideas when we talk about scripture. We don't need to just learn uh, the same thing that we've been taught forever and ever like, um, and the Bible is a living document and we can, um, we can grow with it and we can, uh, let it, you know, not just let it be a source of wisdom and a source of, uh, you know, edifying, uh, you messages to, um, to tell us about the God that is full of love and full of forgiveness, but it, it can also like, we can challenge it. We can push up against it. And that to me is just the best thing about Bible study. It should always be fun. If it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. You heard it here first. If it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, most excellent work well, here. I have, uh, I have two more Bible verses and then I'm going to get extra spicy and go outside of the canonical text and enter a naughty gospel known as the gospel of Thomas. (laughs) Um, But so here we have uh, (laughs) one of my favorite verses, which is Hebrews one, three, which says Christ is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's very being upholding the universe by a powerful word. And so for me, this, I love this verse because um, I read the Bible through the lens of Jesus. Uh, Like that's uh, one of the lenses that I take and uh, when people will ask questions about like the violence, the divine violence of God, things like this, um, that I find very disturbing, I can say, well, wait a minute. Look, this says that that the Christ Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who God is, the exact you know representation. Um, and so, if God behaves in ways that doesn't look like Jesus, then uh, they're they're mischaracterizing God, uh, and they're and maybe they're wrong uh, or they don't have <laughs> the full revelation. And so I love that. And so this is just, again, saying Christ is that the exact representation of God, which to me sounds like really good news. And mm. uh, that very, that very being uh, who is the exact representation of Christ or of God rather upholds the entire universe. And again, <laughs> takes Jesus and phew, makes cosmic.
1: <laughs> this is the thing that I think is um, the most amazing uh, as far as a messaging uh, spreading the gospel evangelizing uh through jesus is that you can see how good god truly is it's like every part of the bible that challenges me that i that i um that i run into a bit of scripture i run in like a biblical violence in the old testament and i go that just doesn't sound like god you see jesus in the world you see how jesus behaves in the world and how he talks and you might turn around and go Okay, well, maybe that actually wasn't God, and maybe that wasn't something that God actually did. Maybe that was humans trying to characterize their own fallen nature, their own violence, as an act of God because they needed a justification for it. And and and, you know, biblical inerrant uh, believers are gonna (laughs) are gonna hate me for that. But I I mean, honestly, that's to me, it's so easy to see a God of love when you really just look through Jesus and into Jesus
0: yeah most uh, definitely a hundred percent and like I remember that that idea and then like starting to read the lens through, through read the Bible rather through the lens of Jesus um was the thing that like intellectually allowed me to believe in a God who is love mm.
1: um
0: because prior like I wasn't grown I didn't grow up being taught those kind of things and um you know people always talked about like, oh, have a personal relationship with God and I was like, with well, that God, Sounds like Sounds an scary. asshole, <laughs> and it's very scary. I don't. Why I don't. I can't do that. And so, like in spirit, like with my spiritual director, like she was really trying to push me into like this more experiential knowledge of God, and I was afraid to do it. Um. So, like I've I've talked about before on on my podcast, like the the necessity of like moving from head to heart is something that I think a lot of us struggle with, and um, for me. Things like that idea, open and relational theology, were the intellectual aspects that allowed me to believe in a God of love, that then opened me up to be willing to then seek that experiential knowledge. And that was huge for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's so... Um, it's such a wonderful uh, thing to, you know, to be able to, if you can. And this is the hardest thing I think for a lot of people. When you're, when you're a biblical scholar, you get so enmeshed, you get so mired in the the translational issues and and, and uses of different uh, conjunctions and verbs and adverbs and different things that, like a, that that in the Bible that we have today, it's so easy to just go straight to your head that you have to um only engage with scripture on an intellectual level and that's folly to me it it doesn't really help you know god better to only experience scripture on an intellectual level you have to let it affect you in an emotional way you really have to let it soak in to your whole being and uh and let it uh let it piss you off and let it you know make you feel loved and let it make you feel forgiven and um Sorry, now I'm getting cosmic with this. So I should uh, stop. <laughs> no,
0: nah, I did it. I did. I put like a little Facebook post and then shared it on some Instagram stories uh, that we were having this conversation. And I wrote, it's about to get cosmic in all caps. <laughs> and, you know, I said, if you know, you know, so that's good. Cosmic is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. One one more Bible verse, and then I'm gonna bring in the gospel of Thomas, and then we'll jump into the the actual passage. But I'm just really trying hard to paint this cosmic Christ picture um for both of us, but also for for listeners at the same time. So here it is. Uh, and this is Ephesians 4, 10. And it says, and the same one who descends is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the entire universe. Wow okay so think about this as uh christ right so because like christ and jesus are separate ideas jesus is like was a dude like a personal human being guy that lived on earth the christ is eternal um and has been in existence since forever and before forever whatever that means and so the christ descends and puts on flesh in the person of jesus that's crazy right that's Uh, what has been called by some theologians, the scandal of the particular, right? This cosmic universal Christ becomes particular, whoops, in the person of Jesus. But then this verse, in the same verse, it narrows and then it winds it again because it says the same one that descended is the one who then ascended higher than all the heavens. So Christ descended, put on flesh in the person of Jesus, scandal of the particular. Jesus then takes cosmic form as the Christ and that particular is then reuniversalized and made cosmic. And it says that Christ not only fills everywhere, right? It says that in, in order to fill the entire universe, but Christ not only fills everywhere, but is the everywhere the cause of Christ
1: that's fascinating <laughs> you brought up this idea of like a a three part christ or a three part jesus that i find really really interesting and this is you you're kind of making this distinction again or that passage is is making this distinction again that there was a human jesus uh an earthly jesus uh jesus in flesh uh there was a um, resurrected jesus a jesus that is um you know elevated and and brought you know into uh, the heavenly realm with God. But then there's this Jesus, there's this cosmic Jesus <laughs> that, that, um, you know, beyond all beyond the the flesh, and the resurrected is and was and forever will be. And, uh, you know, whoa. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, and it's, it's like, I don't know, at least for me, it's like, God has to be at least as big as the universe and like the universe is still growing and expanding. And so like, if our image of, of Christ can't keep up with that, then like, is it really the Christ? Like, is that really God? And so it it like excites me um, to see that. And I know like people will give you, you know, you get pushback for saying these kind of things. um, But I've never understood the pushback because it's like, wait a minute, like, this is saying that God is so much bigger, so much more powerful, if you want to use that word, so much more loving, so much greater than like, we originally thought like, that's really good news. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, But it does break some theological systems, which maybe people hold to those systems over this <laughs> like larger, more beautiful vision of God. Is it idolatry. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a thing.
1: <laughs> maybe <don't> they <laughs> should be. Yeah. Maybe they should be broken. Maybe the problem right. is the theology. Maybe the problem isn't that, that, um you know, you're presenting a new idea of God. It's that God is, his his arms are as as wide as anything can be, and they're continually expanding, and he's holding the universe. He's there with the universe and he's inside of the universe. Like let it let God be bigger. Don't let, don't infuse God with your insecurities, your hangups, your problems. That's not who God is. God is so much larger than that.
0: And that's a sermon, my God. All right. <laughs>
1: I know my calling. All right. I've yeah, been yeah. called. And we, you know, we know. <laughs> Boom roasted.
0: <laughs> all right. So the last one that I'll bring in real quick uh, is the Gospel of Thomas. Now, listeners, if you're not familiar, the Gospel of Thomas, I'll say this up front, is a non-canonical text, which means it was deemed and eh, probably shouldn't put this in the Bible. Um, but also there is no official canon just saying there that the Bible's never actually been canonized. Just that's a real thing google it friends if you don't believe me um but the gospel of thomas is very unique in that it's mostly just like a collection of sayings that were attributed to jesus so it has like little to none like narrative or anything like that it's just like boom 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 boom, boom here's these sayings and like originally uh when the gospel of thomas was um like a physical copy was discovered which was like in the 40s i think uh scholars kind of like deemed it to be like Gnostic, because they thought it was like a later interpretation of Jesus. Uh, However, like further and continued research is actually pointing that um, to the idea that the Gospel of Thomas is actually uh, very, very early and could perhaps contain some of the oldest uh, authentically attested teachings of Jesus. So current scholarship on the Gospel of Thomas is saying, oh, actually, the Gospel of Thomas is at least as old as the Gospels, the four canonical Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, if not older than them. Oh. So there's some interesting development stuff on the Gospel of Thomas. And that's all I'll say about it. But <laughs> <laughs> here is the uh, the saying. It's saying number 77. Um, and it's Jesus speaking. And he says, I am the light that is over all things. I am the all from me all came forth and to me all attained split a piece of wood i am there lift up the stone and you will find me there and so this is pretty cool because nothing is more cosmic than the all right i am the yeah. all fantastic and then uh, basically like the cosmic is christ is everywhere is the everywhere and is the source of everywhere all at once so gospel to think,
1: of <laughs> to think okay first of all that's beautiful and and yeah i think that anybody who is absolutely certain that there are um that the bible is exactly how it should be and and can be on it should be unchanged and there's there's no uh debate over whether or not it is true to uh a, a real godly scripture a real divine inspired scripture needs to first up you know Look up the Apocrypha, understand that the church has had this debate for ages. And then, uh, you know, beyond that, look, look, look into books that have seen, you know, that have been left behind entirely, even from the Protestant churches and the Catholic churches, Orthodox churches. Um, look up the Gospel of Thomas, look up the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Oh, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. <clears throat> I mean, speaking of the Cosmic Christ, uh, that has some incredible uh, passages in it that, that almost sound vaguely like Buddhist in nature. That is like, it's so, so cool. And, and you, you see, uh, the more of these accounts of the times of, especially in the new Testament, there's all the, the, the Apocrypha is largely like, um, lot, uh, like lumped in with old, like the old, Testament times right the Apocrypha is mostly things from the ancient Jewish literature, but there's a lot of New Testament books that kind of just got tossed and some some of them you'll read them and be like. Okay, well that's a little funny I mean that's like kind of weird I don't know why anyone felt the need to write this. This is also how people like entertained themselves back then. They published these little pamphlets and 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 spread all kinds of like weird letters and things <clears throat> that went through the the Renaissance and you know into the Enlightenment and things like that. But <clears throat> I mean, I think it's it's that characterization of Jesus being inside of a split log, inside of a, a broken rock, Jesus in every atom. Uh, that Christ is not just um, not just the person that walked the earth and and opened up the family of God to all people but is within us and uh and deeply entrenched into every physical thing in this world what an amazing concept what a cool thing that we don't hear enough about you know people don't talk about this
0: it's true and people don't often talk about the cosmic christ because it sounds too uh i don't know maybe too good to be true like <laughs> the, the news is too good christians <laughs> cut it out <laughs> <laughs> oh sweet all right well uh how about this we so listeners if you've never listened to um arielle's show uh she always likes to read multiple versions of the passages that is being talked about which i think is so helpful um because if you just only ever read one bible version then like you're missing so much so i figured Uh, since you are my guest, and I've done way too much talking, um, (laughs) I would let you uh, go first. If you want to just like share what version you're going to be reading from. And then again, listeners, it's going to be Colossians chapter
1: one, verses 15 through 20. Sorry. Um, Our mutual friend, Dan Koch, once told me that I talk about the bible like a midwestern housewife talks about the bible and and that's true in a number of ways uh in my enthusiasm for scripture and how much i how much i love uh how much i truly love the word of god but also that i love the esv the esv is the the the, the translation i always go to i know that the niv and the esv are sort of like the modern protestant uh bibles that the go-to's for the protestant sort of wing of christianity um i also love the voice the voice is one that i think a lot of people gets lumped in with the message it's a little um little hokey sometimes a little goofy sometimes it it really kind of uh, you know it holds to the the structure of the scripture i think better than the message does but you know at times it gets a little bizarre um should i read this passage in the esv first sure
0: bring it on esv that's also like when i when i read the bible uh the esv is like you know has been my my main bible so to speak for Mm. however long
1: well it does a really good job of balancing the poetic with the academic i think it doesn't it doesn't go too far into sometimes the nrsv feels sterile to me i know a lot of people i think mostly um folks that consider themselves biblical scholars largely use the nrsv or some you know something close to it and and i get a little hung up sometimes on it it just feels like you're not it, it doesn't push Far enough into our human emotions to be engaging, but the uh, ESV I think walks that uh, walks that line pretty well. So, uh, the the header in the ESV for this section is called "The Preeminence of Christ." Love it. <clears throat> he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible.
0: <laughs> just you
1: ever you ever read a passage like that, and you just go. You have to just let it sink in a little bit. You have to just let it go. Um, you know, go around in your mind, rattle around in your brain for a second. My first thought was the footnote on um, the word "by" in the ESV. I'm sure you caught this in your notes already. But there's a footnote here at for the beginning of verse 16 that says, for by him all things were created. Um, the ESV makes sure to mention that some manuscripts uh, say uh, by is actually supposed to be in. And in the Greek that the original is supposed to be the word in and the choice of using by. Seems very directed. It feel it, you know, it feels like they're trying to make a point by saying by that Jesus was the one actively creating, not the creation was um done through him or in him. That is a very different phrase. That in him all things were created versus by him. What do you think about that?
0: Uh yeah, I have a, a so I like I have a section, like I went through and like kind of pulled out like key sentences uh in the passage um to like kind of walk us through but i do i have a point about that for sure because i'm would much rather say for in christ all things in heaven and earth were created because it is vastly different Mm. and it's interesting because you just pointed out something that's like wait a minute the people who translated our bibles for us could have theological biases that's a weird idea (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah i just think it's it's always important to point that out say that tongue-in-cheek and like I know listeners know this but for those who don't it's so important to remember that every translation is also interpretation. But that that's true of like all things. You can't read a newspaper without interpreting it. That's just the nature of what it means to be a person. We bring who we are to the table. And we can we can become aware of this fact and like aware of our biases, aware of these lenses that we have. However, it's impossible. So, listeners, translation is interpretation. All of them, and they have different theological uh, points that they try to make. Like the KJV has some very important theological, you know, points <laughs> it's trying to make. The ESV uh, is like the favorite book of like Calvinistic Reformed Christians for a reason because those translators are really big on Calvinism and determinism, and they, you know, choose certain words on purpose. <laughs> It's like, I think that's a, that's an important point, but yeah, I'm excited when we talk about that sentence for in Christ, all things in heaven and on earth were created. Um, I have some fun notes. I, or at least I think they're fun.
1: I... <laughs> what um, so of the translations that you called for this um, for this podcast, what was your favorite as far as the different ones? Cause you told me you had four, I think four that you were going to bring up here.
0: Yeah. So I, I narrowed it to three, and I actually, I was trying to ask myself that question, which one was my favorite, and I'm not sure, because I like different things about each one of them, so I brought, I have the uh, the Kingdom New Testament, which is N.T. Wright's translation, which N.T. Wright is, like, my favorite Bible scholar, uh, and then I have the New Testament by David Bentley Hart, uh, which I chose that one because I like it, and Heart is brilliant, but also NT Wright and Heart like both go back and forth, like telling each other why each other's translations suck. And and so I was like, why not bring both? Like, let's just have the let's bring the paradox to the table. And then I brought the the First Nations version, um, which has been my most favorite version of the Bible to read Uh, again when I read the Bible, um, just because it it resonates with me on a very deep uh, like spiritual level. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure um, if any of them say by or in. I don't remember. So it be <laughs> interesting to see. Yeah.
1: When I the read The thing them. that the thing that surprised me was that um, you know, like I said, I like the voice. Um, the message is, is much more popular as far as contemporary um English translations go. The message is usually lumped in with sort of this pseudo-conservative kind of um. Uh, new, new Protestantism, evangelicalism, that is, um, you know, it's very approachable and it's very down to earth, but it also, you know, it, 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 it there's a lot of reverb in the music and they use fog machines and stuff like that, right? <clears throat> what I found really interesting was that the voice says in, or by, but the message actually says in, I'm going to read the voice really quick and then I want to pop over to the message. Uh, the voice says he is the exact image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, the eternal. It was by him that everything was created, the heavens, the earth, all things within and upon them, all things seen and unseen, thrones and dominions, spiritual powers and authorities. So that one's pretty close actually to the ESV. The message uses a lot of Uh, sort of building up before it actually opts for in rather than by, because, uh, you know, again, I think it's sending theologically sending a very specific message. And I think the message translation was trying very hard to say, uh, you know, don't, don't misunderstand what we're saying here, but it wasn't Jesus specifically that was doing the creating, um, which I think is uh, challenging, I think for a lot of people. So it says in the message, Uh, We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything above and below visible and invisible rank after rank, after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him, in him, not by him.
0: I dig it. And I, I, so I just looked, and maybe this was like a subconscious choice. All three of my trant, well, two of them, NT Wright and the uh, First Nations version, use in, Interesting. and David Bentley Hart doesn't use um in or by. He uses the word through, which through. Mm, I think, <laughs> and this is me being you know completely biased, but that lends itself more, in my opinion, to in than by. To go yeah. through, you know, through Jesus, in Jesus, um, cool. Well, the use uh, of
1: through, I think is consistent with what happens later on in this passage too. They mm-hmm. say through too. So that actually makes sense. Of course, I side with David Bentley Hart, like I always do. I mean, the guy's, a, he's incredible. I love N.T. Wright, love him to death. And and he actually has, speaking of podcasts, he does a great podcast called Ask N.T. Wright Anything. Mm-hmm. And people can email their questions and he'll try to answer them as best he can. There's a fascinating one recently about, uh, cremation versus burial, and what is the preferred method of disposal of a of a human body uh, in in Christianity? And it was uh, it was a really good lesson actually. But <clears throat> yeah, it's it, saying in and through portray a, a, a different version, I think, of creation than when you say by. I picture Jesus like his palms are open and everything is shooting out of like the world is shooting out of his palms and he's just like holding them out like a super saiyan or something like that.
0: Yeah. It has like, it almost has this, uh, depiction of like, um, Jesus or Christ or God, whatever language you want to use as like, like passively creating almost where it's like kind of separate from creation. Like God is out here somewhere. Creation is like in front of God and God is Mm -hmm. like, you know, Making things like you're saying, like a super saiyan or something. Um, whereas the in has a more uh intimate and relational uh kind of connotation to it, where it's like, no, God's not like this like outside participant, but rather is like, and we're going to get into this, but like, is like the generative principle in and through which things are you know happening. So it's like very intimate and personal, relational rather than like separate like clock maker kind of vibes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the difference I think um these phrases aren't familiar to most people that aren't theologically inclined but it's the difference here that we're talking about between theism and pe- uh, panentheism and pantheism right we're trying to create this image of god is god outside creating is he a clockmaker or is god inside or is god everything and uh that passage you brought up from the gospel of thomas kind of has this pantheism vibe that god is And everything is, and God is within everything.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, I think actually there's a really, uh, I think Trip Fuller did a really good episode recently where he talked, uh, goodness, I feel bad because I remember the guy's name. Um, Dang it. But anyway, he interviewed like the head of like the process theology organization thing. And they talked about different forms of panentheism and why like process panentheism is like, you know, by far superior. So that's a lot of fun. So if you want to become more inclined with that kind of language and <laughs> listeners, go check that out. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> uh, cool. Well, I, what do you think? I, I'll i read uh, my versions and then I like kind of pick and chose and like pull out, like sentence, like individual sentences and all and try to break it down that way. Um and if you're cool with that, I figured we could go through it that way. Absolutely. That yeah. fine? Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So here we go. This is, uh, I guess I'm starting with the First Nations version. He is the visible representation of our invisible creator. All that the father has belongs to the son. He existed before creation and is above all created things. For, in, for it was in him that all things in the spirit world above and on the earth below were created all things seen and unseen. Yes, even governments, rulers, powers, and authorities were all created by him and for him. He is the one who is in first place and the head of all things. It is in him that all things come together and find their full meaning and purpose. He is the head of the body on earth, the sacred family. He is the first place before all other things, the first to rise to life from among those who have died. In this way, he remains chief in all things and made our great father's heart glad to have all that he is living in his son through his son. He brought together everything in the spirit world above and on earth below into harmony with himself, making peace through his life blood poured out on the cross. So gosh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. The, the first nations one is, is fun. I think it's just like, different enough that it brings to life these passages that i've heard a million times uh and like puts new emphasis and different emphasis from like a culture that is not my own mm-hmm. into the text and it like you know breathe like breathes new life into the text for me so to speak absolutely
1: yeah part of me wishes that we had uh like we had a requirement to retranslate the bible every year that we that we'd get a new tra- Translation, uh, someone else's perspective, or, or or some kind of new spin on scripture, all the time, so that we could be constantly engaged in that in that same way. And the the First Nations does this really cool thing where it it changes the the different animals that they talk about in the Bible, you know, in different parables, they it kind of tells them in a different way. And it, um, it really recontextualizes and and makes you think a little more visually about what's happening in the scripture. I think that's so cool. Yeah, it's,
0: it's beautiful. And also to it, it like to your point about the hearing from different perspectives and such, I think that's like, I, so like, if you picture like the body of Christ is like a mosaic, right. And uh, a mosaic, when you stand back, you can see the whole picture and it's beautiful. But when you zoom in, you see each of the unique pieces that makes up that mosaic. And if you were to pluck one of those pieces out and then step back and look at the image, it would be messed up, right? So like having these different perspectives, whether it be, uh, you know, the First Nations version, or it comes from like, a, a, like some black theology or queer theology or liberation theology, feminist theology, whatever this voice is um, within the body of Christ that is speaking, like if we don't have. That aspect of the image in the mosaic of the body of Christ, then we're missing the whole picture, and so it's like so important. And most of us just spend our time playing with one of the little tile pieces in the mosaic and saying, This is the whole mosaic, when really it's like, No, step back and look, the mosaic is much bigger, much more beautiful than you ever thought it was. Uh,
1: yeah, it's so easy to think of God or Christ personified as a monolith. Like, yeah, we think of, of Jesus Well, he was this one guy and he said this, you know, he said this series of things and this is what he did. And then he was resurrected and, and that's that. But, um, if you view scripture in that living way, in the way that, um, allows it to be, um, alive with us as we study it, then yes, it becomes this unbelievable multi-layered textured, uh, notion of God that without every single a tile without every single piece it's incomplete and uh and gosh i wish more people thought like that you know it's it's so cool
0: yeah and like on top of that we see that exact thing happening within the pages of scripture itself right like the four gospels are all different and like there's things within the four gospels that literally contradict each other like jesus doesn't even die (laughs) on the same day in all four of the gospels And like, in some you get a resurrection in some you get like a, I don't know, it just kind of ends. So like, there's, (laughs) there's these massive distinctions. Um, But again, these are people speaking into a specific context out of their own context. And they're trying to like do theology with this sacred text that they've had, right. Their Torah. And now like this Jesus thing happened, they're trying to figure out what the hell just happened. And so they're like, Using their sacred text, theologizing it contextually within their unique context, and then like w- giving a witness to uh like this Jesus thing, whatever it is that just happened. It happens within the pages of scripture. So, like, why are we afraid to do that? <laughs> I don't know. If,
1: yeah, if the church, <laughs> if the church is the body of Christ in the world, you know, if we are the um the continuing representation and and uh and and mission. Uh, of God's you know good word on earth then we have to include everyone's voice we have to include all these different uh people it's not one uh denomination's opinion of of scripture uh it is all of the little freaks and weirdos and all the different people that uh you know make up the the people that believe that Christ is lord that Jesus is king like that is uh, is a tapestry. And and we cannot uh, ignore other cultures versions of this. We cannot ignore uh, other interpretations of this, um, be they different um, nation, like First Nations type uh, translations or different theological perspectives, like queer theology that you brought up or like black theology that you brought up. I mean, it really does uh, it, it creates so much of a richer version of the God that, that created us and, and gives us life.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say one more thing that just came to mind when you were speaking. And then uh, listeners go look up the David Bentley Hart and T Wright versions of those passages. Cause we're going to run out of time if we don't start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but so like when you were speaking, I was again, like picturing the, the, the mosaic as, as the image, um, and it reminded me that like there's um, there's like a, a temptation within the idea of uh, equality that I think we see happen within our, our society, our society today, where people become so inclusive that they become exclusive, like within the realm of spiral dynamics, uh, like equality is is green in the spiral. And healthy green is somebody who recognizes and acknowledges that everybody has a story. Everybody has the right to share their story. Like all of these things need to be taken into account. But then unhealthy green uh, just turns people into assholes. <laughs> and then they just become the exact kind of like angry, oppressive kind of you know fundamentalist person that they're reacting against. They're just on the other side of uh, the coin now instead of like a conservative fundamentalist they're now a progressive fundamentalist. And like, that's a, that's a phenomenon that drives me freaking crazy.
1: (laughs) Uh, Isn't it it strange that, uh, that you can become that you can become a literal Pharisee by uh, trying to be the most woke person uh, that, you know, in your, you know, in your Christian, uh, your family of faith, that by, by continually uh, pushing that you can turn yourself into the literal thing that you thought that you were fighting against.
0: Yes. And that's a constant theme within scripture. The oppressed become the oppressors over and over and over. And uh, but what's nice about the mosaic image is that it doesn't allow that to happen because it recognizes that, okay, you might now like be in this other part of the mosaic. But if you only take that mosaic as like that piece of the mosaic as like the whole image, then you're, you know, disqualifying all these other ones. You see what I'm saying? So like you actually you can't just flip flop like that. You actually have to step back and say, wait a minute. No, it's more than that. So it's like more (laughs) holistic. It doesn't fall into like the duality of the either or black or white, like conservative fundamentalist, progressive fundamentalist, but rather it's healthy green. Right. Uh, I don't know. That's just (laughs) when you're speaking, I thought about that. And I was like, man, I like this mosaic imagery. Cause I've been messing with it for a little while and I eventually will be included in a writing project that I've been working on since 900 years that will probably never, <laughs> ever be finished. But, um, I was like, now you sparked something. I like that. So thank you. <laughs>
1: thank well, you. <laughs> I, it's so, it's so hard. I think for a lot of people who are, you know, consider themselves to be progressive Christians to, um, to look back on, um, a, a Christian or, a that, not a, not Christian, like a conservative Christian fundamentalist, you know, uh, view of things, uh, theology, look back on that, that they probably, a lot of people came out of, uh, with negative connotations, uh, a lot of people experienced spiritual abuse or, or they, um, they were excluded from their church for any number of reasons, if they were gay or trans or whatever, they come out of that that worldview thinking there isn't anything salvageable in that kind of Christianity and I think it's it's so close-minded it's absolutely so it's so foolhardy to go uh nothing that they were doing there made any sense because you know what you're still a Christian so what about what about what they taught you before made you continue to believe in the gospel that made you continue to want to spread the gospel even though you're going to change the you know the message has changed a little bit uh you you still uh are spiritually there so you have to you have to bring everybody in and and it, it can be hard sometimes because you know I think I find it very strange that I share a faith in Jesus with Fred Phelps right uh, my my belief in jesus as the son of god as the the risen messiah uh is shared by people who absolutely want nothing to do with me that that don't even want me to exist that think i will be cast into the lake of fire forever but i still value in some way or another their view on scripture because to me it's it's, uh it's important that we continue to consider every possible uh, outlet of, of the gospel, every possible way that we can interpret it and read it and feel it.
0: Mm, Yeah. The man, the wisdom and beauty that is contained in what you just said is, uh, just so profound. And, um, I think it's so important. It's like it, it again, to not to bring it back to spiral dynamics, but there are people who take the spiral and use it as a way to say like, Oh, look at me. I'm in a higher level of consciousness or something like that. Um, But those are people who actually fundamentally misunderstand the spiral, and they're not as high, so to speak, on the spiral as they think. Um, Because what what you're talking about is like this ability to be able to transcend and include things from our past. Um, Because the like the way in in spiral dynamics that it works is like the color, so to speak, that like these more like fundamentalist conservative Christians are in is called stage blue. Um, Whereas like the progressive Christians tend to be in stage green. And there's another stage in between that, which is stage orange, uh, which introduces like things like logic and stuff like that, but, um, and like science and what, and whatever. And so they're like constantly talking past one another, but a healthy person would recognize that all of the stages within the spiral exist within us, all of them. They're not like, you're not just green all the way green. Like you green might be your, your Rob Bell calls it like your uh, you're like, center of gravity currently but all of those spaces including beige the most primitive version which is like survival eat food and take a shit when you have to like that's beige like (laughs) that exists within you still and there's healthy ways to to live that out and unhealthy ways and so the the health is recognizing exactly what you just said um and also like the man the the humility that it takes to be able to say like the people that literally hate me, I'm still connected with them through this mutual trust in this person called Jesus of Nazareth. Like that is just like mind blowing. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) Just like drop, like stop the podcast. We're done. Like, (laughs) all right. Tithe's and offering. Who wants to be saved? Let's get out of here. There we go.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you bring up this notion of like, uh, what's, what's, you know, where you were, where you were born into, uh, you know, the things that you experience and then how you can grow, uh, and, and change and become something else. Because I think it actually speaks to the, the passage that we're talking about today, that Jesus, uh, being there with God from the beginning, as we see in John, uh, that, uh, Jesus was, then Jesus was, and then Jesus was again, that uh, that Jesus was uh, part of the Old Testament uh, scripture, that the things that we see in, in the Old Testament that seem so drastically different from uh, what Jesus uh, lived and expressed while he was here on earth in his physical body. And then again, we see in things like Revelation, how, how Jesus continued, To I don't know what color Jesus was in the Old Testament and what color Jesus was when he was in in flesh and what color Jesus was when he had a, a, you know, a a sword coming out of his mouth. Right. (laughs) But the uh, this notion that like all of this is within us and all of it is within God, that we um, we are built not as uh, the sort of entity that switches on a whim that snap your fingers and you're different uh that it actually all informs us from the beginning until the end uh it's all a part of us it is all um it's a cosmos within our person that that we build our faith upon i think that's so cool Mm.
0: nailed it (laughs) 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 oh yes i love that phrase a cosmos within our person all uh, right. That sounds one, very cosmic Christy of you, but also it sounds very Buddhist of you. I like that cosmos within our own person. I'm writing that down. Uh,
1: you can use it in the book if you want to. There Thanks.
0: we go. And I will, <laughs> I will quote you. You just have to tell me how you want to be quoted. Love <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So we're, already pushing our time limit so forgive me uh but what i tried to do was break this passage down into like sentences uh that i thought were like important ideas um and then i don't know what you would rather do either i can give the sentence and share my thoughts and then you can share your thoughts or i can give the sentence you can go first and then i can say stuff what do you prefer
1: um well first and you can cut this out if you want but um we can go a little over time if you want to. This has been an awesome conversation, so I'm having okay. a really good time. So <laughs> cool. don't don't worry. I don't, don't want to go like too long, but um definitely don't don't sweat if it like hit 130 and we like like all right we have to go. Cool. Um, I think what I would prefer to do is go line by line. I think that to me is the um, easiest way to say okay, here's what we take of this. Here's what we take of this, and then when you get to the end. Then you kind of uh, wrap it all up. You create a tapestry, like we've been talking about. Uh, yeah. You take all of those interpretations and you let them fold into each other.
0: Nice. All right. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's go for it then. I'll um, let's see. I will read from David Bentley Hart's version, and so like, and I'll basically I'll read the line and like basically like the key phrase that i took away from it and then um do you want to jump on it first and then i can share my thoughts or do you want me you to want to do ahead? the
1: first the first verse
0: so well, let's see because the first the first line i wrote down is christ is the image of the invisible god but like the first first verse you say is like who is the image of the invisible god firstborn of all creation but i separated like in my notes christ is the image of the invisible god and firstborn of all creation
1: two very different uh, things I think right. I- important to note. I think we can address both of these things kind of in the same conversation, though.
0: Sure, let's um, make it happen.
1: Being the image of the invisible God, you are saying that uh, you know if there is a personification of God on Earth, that it would be in Jesus. Which really, more than anything, makes me go, "Okay, what did he look like? What did this guy look like?" I mean, I feel like he was uh, obviously Jesus was very charismatic. Uh, obviously, Jesus had. Um, had a presence that, that engaged people, but like, it it is, it's so troubling to me that we have no record, no notion of what he actually looked like. And I, I, you can kind of, you can guess, you can create some kind of reasonable facsimile based on where he was geographically and, and, and who he came from, you know, from an ethnicity standpoint, but you really don't know. Eyes, yeah, of like course. Thor. Yeah. he's yeah, gotcha. yeah. He's super muscular and he can throw a football really far. And yeah, that's the G that obviously that's what Jesus looked like. <laughs> but, uh, so we see this, um, we, we are first told that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that God is invisible and let it not be, you know, despite what we see in the Old Testament, where, you know, there is kind of this visage of God that Moses sees, um, that, that the, the God, the real God, God as a whole is not visible, that we cannot see God and we will not see God, but we can see an image of him in the world. But then we're told the firstborn of all creation, um, the firstborn is I think a word that would be really, really easily misunderstood. We're not saying that. At least the message here is not saying that. Uh, the message that I'm the message is a small, you know, small M message, not the translation. of The message. <laughs> I can see where this would get a little confusing for people, but uh, it's that the firstborn is not necessarily that Jesus was born first, or that Jesus was even born. In the traditional way that we're thinking about it, but the firstborn as an elevated status, right, that this is an an Old Testament uh, reference to status within a family uh, status within a um, sort of a power structure, rather than saying that, like, Jesus was the oldest, Jesus, is the oldest person like that's a weird, that's a weird thing. What what, what do you think about this?
0: No, so I like that I hadn't thought about it as like within the Old Testament context, um, which probably so like. My buddy, Jace, if he was listening, he would be like, that's because you never think of anything in biblical context. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So no, I like that. That's interesting. Um, And I think probably, so like, here's, here's an interesting thing that like Jace and I have this conversation, Jace, old Testament scholar, like studied at like Westminster theological seminary. So he's like, not, you know, um, some like super progressive out there person, uh, but he's like a solid biblical scholar and we'll have these conversations and I'll try to like share him my, like my thoughts about things. And he'd be like, well, wow, that's just not what the text is doing. And so like, i am like, okay, but like, are we allowed to move beyond what the text is doing within its original <laughs> meaning and say like, here's like a, like, here's me theologizing this. Or like, here's a, here's a spiritual, like reading this through a spiritual lens. So I think like you probably, you like nailed, like, here's what the text is doing. I think you get like, that makes sense to me. Like the firstborn Uh, especially tying the old testament context of like the the like elevating jesus to like this specific status it's like the firstborn male and like blah blah so i think i dig it but like i'm gonna i'm gonna try to take take it and like throw it into like the weird weird woo woo land what do you think (laughs) let's see what happens absolutely absolutely so first like but also i'll preface it by saying that like i agree with everything you said (laughs) i'm just gonna push it um so if we start with Christ as the image of the invisible God, for me, um, that's telling me, like, if Jesus is the image of God in human flesh, um, then Christ is like the image of God in all that is. So that, again, that's like taking Jesus, the the scandal, of particular, the particular person, and then applying this idea of cosmic Christ, blowing it up and saying, so in Jesus, we have like, you know, God in human form basically the image of God in human flesh Christ then is the image of God and all that is and so it goes back to like the point that I try to make earlier which was like God is not separate from um, like material things and I don't I'm not a pantheist I don't think that like my pen is divine or something like that but I think that God can be found in and through all things and I'll try to make that distinction a little bit later but it's like so for me like cuz the verse doesn't say that 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 Christ is can like Christ contains the image of the invisible god it says Christ is the image of the invisible god and i think that's um an important distinction and i think that helps us to see that like Christ is like ending this duality between the material and the spiritual which is really something that like plato gave us like plato made this split and uh i kind of see uh Jesus like contradicting that saying like no that's not how it is and even within the Hebrew text itself creation is very good where like within platonic thought it's like you know fuck creation it's evil it's bad and so like I think Jesus is different than that that's that's what I see going on there but then with the the firstborn I go back to like like what was the first thing like the big bang right and like so for me the firstborn of all creation is like within the big bang it's like God choosing to reveal God's self. Cause like you said, like God is invisible, right? God is spirit. We can't see God. Um, And so like, it's again, not that God is like somehow far away and like the big bang is happening and God is like safe back here, like watching it. Like, oh, don't, you know, don't hurt me. But rather that like Christ is the generative principle in the very depths of the cosmos itself. And so like, we have this big bang is like the first manifestation of Christ in our universe. And like Richard Rohr refers to that as like the 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 blueprint of our creation. And so if we we talk about like cosmology because we're going big in science, like cosmology helps us understand the material process of like creation and evolution, which I like I hold to those things. I like science. Um but then when we talk about the cosmic Christ with the spiritual lens, it gives us like the spiritual uh, process and like, basically like the purpose of uh, creation and evolution. So I see like Christ being the firstborn of all creation is like the generative principle, like that like makes the whole thing go basically. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I love the way that you put that. And I I think that it, um, tying back to what we were talking about, the by versus in conversation. That um, by is this sort of a separated notion of I'm, I'm creating but it's outside of me, whereas if we see Christ as the image um, or the manifestation, I think, is the word you used and I love that use of the word. Um, if we see Christ as the manifestation, then the creation, the Big Bang, like you said it is Christ. That that is created not not by him, like Jesus isn't turning the wheels or drawing the, the drawing the picture. That that burst of life, that creation, was Jesus entering the world. That the it was Christ. Sorry, it was Christ entering the world. Uh, that um, that uh, being of it all was done through that image of God. Wow.
0: Yeah yeah and it man i I mean, I just I absolutely love that though, like to think that Christ is like again the this generative principle in and through all things that's like helping to push the whole thing forward is like such a at least in my opinion is like such a more beautiful idea or like image of this God who creates and is in relationship with all of creation rather than like, again, it's like kind of a straw man argument but like this like clockwork clockmaker guide who's like outside of time it seems it seems very different and i tend to favor the relational
1: <laughs> uh tying um the procreative element of jesus um it kind of connects the lady wisdom character that i was talking about earlier into jesus and it kind of makes sense that it's okay that this was like jesus birthed this world that uh that christ was um giving life in the way that you know like like a woman gives birth you know like that's so cool to think about and strange obviously uh i think for most people they 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 can't picture right a pregnant jesus but in him yeah that the, the world was created wow you know
0: yeah i that huh, the image of a pregnant jesus that's actually rather interesting in and of itself too <laughs> like that could be like like jesus is the christ but like a pregnant version of jesus is the christ is like an icon could be like a really interesting thing right like are we allowed to make modern icons um <laughs> if not like let's change that rule and just do it
1: uh- <laughs> i do i do one heresy every day and make sure that i do one heresy every day that might be my heresy of the day right there
0: i like it that's a good one though like it's like uh what is it alice in wonderland where it's like think of what three impossible things before lunchtime it's like do one heresy you know a day <laughs> <laughs> oh cool all right well let's uh jump to let's see what is it 16 so we have and this is again uh heart speaking he says because in him were created all things in the heavens and on earth the visible as well as the invisible whether thrones or lordships or archons or powers all things were created through him and for him
1: so that's 16. What do you think it means that it was all created for him? The use of for is so interesting to me like uh what what purpose is Jesus deriving from the creation that it was created for him.
0: Yeah, that's uh I feel like if I'm honest I'd have to say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then also there's like this idea that like, I have a hard time with, but like, it is, I mean, it's like a classic Christian uh, teaching, at least within the the context I grew up in is like this idea that um, everything is just created for the glory of God. So God created creation, just to glorify God's self, which maybe that's the right reading of this text very well could be. Um, But I, for some reason, I think there's something icky. Like, I don't,
1: it sounds but, selfish, doesn't it? It sounds It does. Little,
0: yeah. And like the God that I see revealed in the person of Jesus is not a guy going around saying like, oh, let me like do X, Y, and Z so that you give me glory. Like, it's like, Jesus is like healing people because healing people is a good thing to
1: do. Yeah. like And the then telling them not to it. say anything about it. He's right. telling them not <laughs> to tell people, don't tell them that I did this.
0: Oh yeah, dude. So I actually, I read in uh In the book I was reading today, how I uh, I think it was the Gospel of Mark, um, where, like, Jesus is constantly doing that, giving that refrain, right? Like, heal people, don't tell anybody. Heal people, don't tell anybody. And everybody always tells people anyway. And, like, Jesus becomes, (laughs) like, known as this great healer. And then at the end, there's, like, the, like, death and, like, maybe a resurrection. But, like, when the, like, everyone sees this happen they run away and don't say anything (laughs) so like the the authors of this book were saying like it's almost like this is almost like some kind of like dark humor happening within the gospel of mark where it's like pointing to this thing that's like when jesus said don't say anything everybody said everything and then when it's like here i am resurrected everybody was like "Mm -mm, i'm not saying that shit run away
1: Yeah. The end of Mark is so spooky. I absolutely love how like, is this cliffhanger thing like, Oh, it might've happened. Maybe it didn't. We're not sure, but we definitely got out of there quickly.
0: Yeah. What So, like, do you, do you have any thoughts on what that for might mean?
1: I I think that um, the, the common understanding of it would be that it was for God's great pleasure, right? That, that it was a glorification and um, you know, the world was created to, show what good God can do, like what amazing things God is capable of. I find it more interesting to read it as um, the uh, again, going back to this notion of a learning God, a God that can um, take in information and and become uh, more loving and 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 more accepting and and really, truly understand. Himself or God's self. Sorry, I always, (laughs) I still struggle with the, the gendering of God. But uh, that it's not necessarily that it's done strictly for glorification, but uh, for uh, for information for education. Like that God created this so God could understand uh, that you know what 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 is possible. It's like God is challenging God by creating, uh, what a cool notion, what a great, uh, you know, thing to, to think of God wanting to learn that to me is so compelling.
0: That's, that's super compelling. Like, so it's like for basically like for relationship, like for God's yeah.
1: own to
0: use trip Fuller's phrase for God's own divine self investment in self-investment. Oh, I love divine that. Divine self-investment. Yeah. And that's trip fooling. Uh, You're welcome trip. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Divine self-investment, but like, yeah. For like four relationship for yeah, that's, that's interesting. I actually, I really like that. Like this idea that if um, God is essentially loving to steal Tom Ord's language um, and then like in order to love God must be in relationship. So like creating for like basically to have this relationship and then like you're saying, learning it and growing in that um love that's i that's interesting i i like that it, I a mean, lot better than like hey i did it because i think i'm the shit like i think it's,
1: <laughs> my, it's way better. look look what i like god is like steward from mad tv like look what i can do <laughs>
0: but yeah look what i can do yeah that's a classic reference well done <laughs> steward and tv references oh man uh so like Let's see, I because I had let's see, I had some notes on that. The for in Christ, all things in heaven and earth were created and things visible and invisible. So the like for in Christ, which I think is important, is like the idea that through Christ, uh, through the cosmic Christ, who was and also is the plan and purpose of all creation, right? Like the blueprint, um, heaven and earth was created. So, like in and through that like blueprint basically and so like for me if we get like in like quantum physics the living web of life or like the living web of love like christ is that living web of love from which all things emerge and again it's like i've said it a million times but like christ is like the generative principle of love creating shaping and loving all things which then i think ties in nicely with your idea of like relationship like creating for relationship to like grow basically mm-hmm. and learn how to
1: love that's a that's a form of glorification. I mean it's not it's not those two things aren't mutually exclusive. you don't have to say that it has to be one or the other like God is glorified by love that uh God loving is a it is a way of showing how much God can love and uh you know that's um kind of circular logic a little bit but basically like, uh, God is not just learning and, and loving more, but showing how truly good and wise and true God is through that loving and that learning. I, oof, you know,
0: you are well on your way to being an excellent process theologian. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh man. I think <laughs> with the, with the things visible and invisible, um if again like we think about as like things that are visible as like material reality and like things are invisible as like spiritual things um like i think maybe visible invisible like i try to think of it that way um which like also then alludes to christ becoming the symbol for the whole of reality which is like the way that um Raymond Poniker, I think that's like his his phrase is Christ becomes a symbol for the whole of reality, which is like the visible and the invisible, uh, like together, right? Um, and like actually, the dude uh, that I quoted from earlier, uh, Paul, he and not the biblical Paul, a different, <laughs> different. Um, he talks about actually like three aspects of reality: uh, material reality, so like what we could see. Uh, the divine slash spiritual reality so visible invisible and then human reality which he talks about like human consciousness and he says that like the three actually compromise like one seamless non-separable whole and that like like christ is like the symbol for that um, which is really interesting and then again with the things visible and invisible it goes back to that idea that i said earlier where like jesus rejects this platonic idea that the material world is somehow evil that it's a world that we have to be raptured from right uh because jesus affirms the hebrew idea that creation the world is good that every human being carries the image of god um and then like you said earlier that every every human is the light of the world and that jesus is almost like this the if jesus is the light of the cosmos and like jesus is the prototype uh for all humankind which is like also a very biblical way of speaking they paint jesus as adam like that's a common theme jesus is the new adam jesus and like adam is a representative of israel so it's like it all makes sense
1: (laughs) (laughs) the uh the the use of um the images of thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities or i think dbh put it a little bit differently in his translation but um this also ties to the lineage of jesus being tied to david and and the notion of uh order or kings or royalty on earth as a reflection of those things in the eternal realm you know in in the invisible realm so Jesus as the ultimate, and we can actually move forward into the next verse here. If you're okay with that, uh, it says, "And He is before all things, and in thing in Him all things hold together. Um, s- something holding together is done so by something giving its structure, and uh, and that sort of puts Christ into this realm of King. It puts Him into this realm of power that um, that ties to not just His uh, His a manifestation as, you know, in Adam that, you know, Jesus being the new Adam, the new first human, but also ties to his lineage, his earthly genealogy as tied to David, who was a man after God's own heart. That's the phrase they use over and over and over again, a man after God's own heart, that, that it wasn't that necessarily Jesus was the first, uh, the first inklings of God on earth it was that Jesus was the holistic representation of what we might've seen in little bits and pieces before.
0: Yeah, almost like like Jesus is like the ultimate representation of what it means to be truly human. Mm-hmm. Kind of something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Um, yeah, and I think also too, this is like complete aside, but it was brought to my attention recently and like I haven't been able to kick it. Um, like if... <laughs> So Jesus tied to the line of David, which makes sense from like a Jewish perspective, tying him into like, you know, the Old Testament Um, and like, you know, the the Jewish heritage and lineage. But uh, and then like also like Joseph gets kind of tied into the Davidic line, which makes sense if if Joseph was Jesus's dad, but he's not, according to the virgin birth. So it's like, uh, wait a minute here. So like either the author of, you know, whatever uh does it seem like people say like Paul doesn't really have a concept of the virgin birth because Paul does the same thing. He tries to connect the Jesus to the line and mm-hmm. specifically with Joseph. So I just thought that was interesting. That has nothing to do with who we're talking about. <laughs>
1: but- <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Paul being a Pharisee too, it makes sense that he would be, you know, constantly this is right. how Matthew Matthew does that, I think, more consistently than any other gospel does is, mm-hmm. is tying Jesus into the old Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh mm-hmm. and and you know, I think that questions about the virgin birth aside, I think uh Progressive Christians and conservative Christians have a lot of questions about this, and and, and, oh, for and sure. that it makes perfect sense because it's a, it's a, like the Trinity, a mind-blowing concept, something that we really can't wrap our puny little human minds around. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's so much, it's so puzzling to me. It's so much more interesting to me to think about why it is then that, uh, yeah, David is in the line of Joseph. Joseph is not, supposedly, not Jesus's father. So why is it that this is brought into here, to, to the conversation about Jesus? I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's, I mean, uh, maybe it has to do with the intellectual notion of how we raise, just because someone is not biologically someone's parent, um, they can still impart the kind of wisdom, the tradition, the different things that we um, become as human beings through uh, you know parenting them not through the the the, the biological uh, DNA, uh, but through how one is brought into the world and brought up and and uh, and taught. that's that's why.
0: No that that's actually really beautiful. I've not thought about it through that like adoptive lens, which is crazy. Cause like my little sister is adopted. <laughs> and uh, so like, that's actually, that's really beautiful. That like puts another like fun wrinkle uh, into that conversation. Um, Cause that could be, I mean, you could read that as like a, like a redemptive reading of like adoption. Like, well, yeah, look, Jesus was like basically adopted by Joseph. And because of that, he's in the line of David boom like that's that's like a redemptive reading uh like almost like a restorative reading yeah. uh that's beautiful i mm-hmm. and this is why i like talking to
1: you <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad we're doing this honestly
0: oh <laughs> uh, so i'll uh here i'll throw out christ is before all things and in christ all things hold together here's some of the some of my notes so if like and it's things i've said a bunch already so i'm might skip some of it but basically like Christ is like the cosmic force of or, or like the cosmic face rather of God that is connecting and holding all things together. like that's like a kind of how I see it. And then again, the generative principle, the blueprint, the web of life that permeates all of uh creation. But then Smith in his book that uh the other Paul, as he's been previously referred to as um says that like this web of life that he's referring to as the cosmic Christ, Uh, connects like these four different aspects. And I found them really interesting. He says, one uh, is it connects us with the divine slash spiritual realm. Cool. Um, It connects to the consciousness of everyone and everything. That's really crazy to think about. Um, And that's like a whole nother thing. But the study of consciousness blows my mind. Uh, Three, it says that it connects all parts of the material realm as shown by quantum physics, which I've been on a huge quantum physics kick recently. So I want to read this quote um, from a quantum physicist, last name uh, Capra. Um, And he says this, it says a careful analysis of the process of observation in atomic physics has shown that the subatomic particles have no meaning as isolated entities, but can only be understood as interconnections between the preparation of an experiment and the subsequent measurement. Quantum theory thus reveals a basic oneness of the universe. It shows that we cannot decompose the world into independently existing smaller units. As we penetrate into matter, nature does not show us any isolated building blocks, but rather appears as a complicated web of relations between various parts of the whole. And Christ is that web that connects all of that shit.
1: (laughs) Oh, like a, like a tapestry, like a mosaic. Like a
0: tapestry and a mosaic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like exactly what we were talking about before, that the individuals are not, um, are not creation, that it is uh, the, the unity of all of the individual things that is creation and, and you can't take, you can't take that out of Jesus, that Jesus is that interconnectedness, Jesus is the thing that holds it all together.
0: <laughs> Boom, like, that's so cool. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and then he says that it, uh, again, that the, the Christ unites the three dimensions of reality, which we've talked about, divine and spiritual, the human consciousness and the material, physical. And that's just like, that's crazy to me. And it plays in nicely with this, like, the, the Buddhist principle of interbeing, um, that like all things inter are. So like there's this um, parable that's like very common in Buddhism uh, about a mountain. And the whoever the speaker of the parable is, says, before I meditated, I saw that the mountain was a mountain. During meditation, I saw that the mountain was not a mountain. After meditation, I saw that the mountain truly was a mountain. And so that gets at this Buddhist principle of interbeing, which is the idea that uh, Josh is made up of a bunch of non Josh parts and elements. And the same for Ariel Ariel is made up of a bunch of non Ariel elements, but all of those things together makes you who you are <laughs> that is the josh experience that is the aerial experience and so that mountain when we look at it all right we see it's a mountain but when we look deeply we realize that mountain is made up of a whole bunch of non-mountain parts but those non-mountain parts are exactly what make the mountain a mountain which is why after we meditate we can say wow that truly is a mountain and like the cosmic crisis like that. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy
1: there's that old <laughs> adage about seeing the forest for the trees um that uh a forest isn't uh, a forest a forest is a collection of trees that existence um is that collection is um it's fascinating and 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 to bring christ that you know creation moved through that there is um in each individual particle in each individual tree, there is some of Christ uh, connects to this notion of like Christ's humanity. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you said that, that uh, Christ was like, I don't think you use the word perfectly human, but it was something like that. That like the, 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 the greatest manifestation of humanity was in Christ that Uh, I always struggled with this uh, phrase of God being fully man or Jesus being fully man and fully God at the same time. And, uh, and if you think of it as then, you know, instead of saying fully like in, in total, but fully as in, in its most truly manifested version, that that is what Christ is in human form is the best version of what it can be.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like this idea that like, cause pe- so people always say like, oh, you know, when they do something dumb, they're like, oh, I'm just human. Um, <laughs> but like, it's actually like the opposite. It's like, like sinning, whatever that means. Um, and like, I have an idea about what I think that means, um, that we'll get to in a second, <laughs> but like sinning, like doesn't make us human. It makes us less human. And like, Jesus is the, like the, 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 the true human, like the ultimate way to, to be a human. Um, but also like with what you're talking about, like that, like weird, like is Jesus, God, is he, is he not, is he both like, what is it? Um, like one of the the next lines, and I might've skipped a verse, so forgive me. Um, but where it talks about for in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, uh, that I, skip? I might've skipped something.
1: Uh, I don't think we hit 18, but we're kind of talking about it right now anyway. And we talked about okay. it a little bit earlier too. So um, that's, we should go to 19 because I think that it, it, it presents a very interesting, um, if uh, this idea is if Jesus was the best iteration of humanity, but Jesus is also fully God, then Jesus is actually the best iteration of God. And whoa, you know, like, where where are we supposed to take that? Where are we going?
0: Yeah, it gets real, like, real weird. And then, like, part of me always struggled with this idea, like, okay, well, if like, Jesus is 100% God. And then I, like, have this, like, cosmic Christ notion. Does that mean that, like, when the Christ became localized in the person of Jesus, like, God was only in Jesus and, like, nowhere else at that time? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's weird. No. Like, yeah.
1: Why would Jesus pray to God then when, when he right. was on earth? So it's
0: like, what is happening? <laughs> and So like they found actually, believe it or not, there is a term in, in quantum physics that kind of helps make sense of this. So the idea is like, if Jesus contains the fullness of God, it's not that all of God was in Jesus in the sense now that like God is in Jesus and no one else, like we said, but rather fullness in the sense of what's called a Holland which basically is like how holographics and shit work it's very weird and complex and it hurts my brain when i try to read about it but basically it's this idea that it's simultaneously a holland is simultaneously a whole and a part at the same time and like the best way to try to get at it is metaphor and there's like the mystic rumi said uh you're not a drop in the ocean you are an entire ocean in a drop so like jesus is like that <laughs> whoa <laughs> and so like christ is not a holland but is the whole and the source of all the holonic parts like it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> but like quantum physics was the only thing that i could find that helped me make sense of that idea of like jesus fully god and fully human
1: you referred to jesus earlier as um was it mesh or web the 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 phrase that you used in talking about quantum physics And, um, I've always pictured God at times in trying to create a physical manifestation of God in my head, apart from Jesus, you know, this is my Trinitarian showing that there is these separate entities that God to me is, um, like a a giant body of water out of which everything is created, uh, like a swamp almost. And that like totally ties what you just said together too i mean it's it's like uh the um the uh the 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 way that life is pulled through something uh oh i'm losing my train of thought i'm so sorry <laughs> well i'm, I'm <laughs> genuinely traveling on new intellectual ground right now <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not, it's so fun. i haven't thought this hard in ages so i love, I love yeah it's
0: crazy <laughs> it's so crazy and fun and like but also it's like so beautiful at this at the same time like that phrase you are not a drop in the ocean you're an entire ocean in a drop like dude like go i don't know like if smoking weed is something that someone does like go smoke weed and like walk in the woods and think about that for an hour (laughs) i'm not advocating for the use of marijuana especially if it's illegal where you are but like That's like what I think of when I hear that you are not a drop in the ocean, you're an entire ocean in a drop like go meditate on that and think about it. It'll be like, oh, and like whatever that is that's Christ like yeah. And I'm saying that as a statement of faith like. (laughs) yes the more i get
1: into think thinking like this the more i'm like i never need to use drugs again i don't need to The, the the more i twist my mind around in knots like this i i feel more perplexed and more engaged more interested uh in god when i open my mind to this possibility that god might not be this uh this thing that i thought that god was before
0: yeah yeah straight up um Yeah. I mean, quantum physics, reading quantum stuff, it will like make you feel like you're high because it's just insane. Um, And like science, I mean, like it's the basis for like so much stuff. Like the reason we're being able to have this conversation right now is because of like quantum theory, like via Zoom and like the sound and everything. Like we still don't understand it. Like it's just weird. It's insane. Like it's like chaotic. It's like chaos is like, like the base of everything, which is really cool. Because when you get back into Genesis, we don't find like you can affirm creation ex nihilo. Some people don't. Um, I probably don't. But the the Bible doesn't talk about that. Like the the image in the beginning is that like there was chaos, and God brings order to chaos, and that's a theme that gets brought up again and again and again and again throughout Scripture. And so if like chaos is like like out there, and like that's really the the core of things, and God is the one that brings order to that, is like the generative unifying principle of love, like. I'm down with that. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Very cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. We literally just talked about structure. I mean, that's um, yeah. Depending on your, your, your view of creation, I think that you can interpret that in different ways, but uh, that, you know, God it, it, it's, it's okay to say that. Uh, yeah. Not only it did God create the mess, but God um, put the mess together in a way that um, allows it to be functional and, and exist uh, so that it's not constantly disintegrating. I mean, we are constantly disintegrating as human beings, I think, but that's a different different meaning. but it's um, yeah, it's absolutely wild. i I love it. Mm.
0: Well, I will, for time's sake, let's just jump ahead real quick. so the bit where it says so that Christ may have first place in everything and then end with through Christ, uh, God was pleased to reconcile God's self, uh, reconcile to God's self all things. Because I think that those things will wrap up the conversation nicely. Um, so I'm I'm skipping ahead, basically. And forgive me, because I'm not even
1: giving you the verse to where I'm
0: skipping ahead. Because I don't know.
1: You're don't, 19. Is that 19 and 18 and 19?
0: It could very well be. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like, because I'm skipping the, you know, the beginning firstborn from the dead, because we kind of talked about that um like jesus as the prototype for for humanity it's like an evolutionary like evolutionary breakthrough right of like what consciously divine human looks like it's jesus um very cool <laughs> but so the so for me when we talk about that christ may be first place in everything um i think of again like if christ is the whole of reality and it unite and christ unites divine human and material then, like logically, Christ must come first, right? And that's like the the trans rational in like the trans rational sense of reality. Um that idea of that that connection of all three of those things is exactly what I think Jesus referred to as the kingdom of God or the reign of God. Um, like like Jesus tells us over and over and over again, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. And this like non-dual reality is like the reality of like how things really are the 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 whole of reality that Christ unites the divine the human and the material that's the reality and seeking first the kingdom of god is seeking that it's like an awakening to the reality that has been present the entire time and so then like when we have eyes to see which again like vision is a thing that's constant theme jesus is constantly healing blind so people can see and this phrase having eyes to see like when we have the eyes to see reality Through the lens of the kingdom of God, like through this unifying like image that Christ brings, uh, we see that like everything fits. That uh, there's no paradox. There's there's no duality. There's no piece in the mosaic that that doesn't fit. But in order to have that lens, you have to put Christ first, and that's what I think it needs to put on the mind of Christ.
1: I I think that um, Christ coming first through you know understanding. Uh, the 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 glory that is creation it's an inevitability right to me it's like of course christ is gonna when you understand what christ did and when you really truly understand what god uh uh, is capable of then of course christ comes first because that's that's you know that's where all of the beauty that we experience the 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 you know the beautiful sunrise and 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 the 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 flowers that bloom in spring and all the things that we see in this world that that give us a true sense of wonder that uh that just makes me want to praise Jesus more it just makes me want to put Jesus even higher it makes me go lord you know thank you Uh, For for this incredible creation, you know, if this is all created out of chaos, you have painted a beautiful picture. You have created something that's truly majestic, that's truly incredible.
0: Yeah, no, most definitely, and like recognizing, recognizing that beautiful reality, and then taking it deep enough to see that interconnectedness of all things, um, I think is the thing that that brings forth transformation. In people um which is like why so the the last verse actually gets me really excited which is funny because i thought that would be the one that i didn't want to talk about because it's like gets into atonement (laughs) and like i don't know (laughs) what i think about atonement but like when i sat down i was thinking about i actually got really excited um because it's like through christ god was pleased to reconcile god's self to all things and so within my understanding of this idea of like Christ is like the web of life, the generative principle, all these kind of things. That means that nothing has ever been separate from God ever. But humanity's like dualistic vision created this idea, this illusion of separation. So for me sin is actually the illusion of the illusion of separation. When we believe that we are separate from one another, from creation, And from God, those three things that uh, Paul said are, you know, the three things that Christ holds together. When we believe we're separate from those things, then we have the propensity to sin. Because if I believe you and I are separate, then I can dehumanize you. I can treat you like you're subhuman. I can be racist. I can be transphobic. I can do whatever. But once I see that we are actually intimately connected, wait, wait a minute, then you realize when jesus talks about like what you do to your neighbor you do unto yourself what you do to the least of these you do unto me like there's this deep connection and when we believe we're we're separate from god then like of course we create all these like crazy evil images of god and god becomes this like like angry vindictive person and like when we believe we're separate from creation we treat the earth exactly how we're treating it right now <laughs> setting <laughs> it into, like ecological disaster. And yeah. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like,
1: I think, um, so we, as human beings, uh, you know, when we think about giving, when we think about, um, uh, a sacrifice that we make of ourselves, uh, the greatest sacrifice that a human being can make is to sacrifice their life. Right. You can sacrifice all kinds of things. You can sacrifice money or time or feelings, emotional space, whatever. Um, But the greatest sacrifice that one can make for another person is to give up one's life. And uh, this idea in the ESV, it says, making peace by the blood of his cross, that of course, it was that Jesus had. To, I go around and around in my head sometimes about uh, atonement, and we shouldn't really start talking about it to be honest, because it's going to turn into another conversation. Uh, it it can take us in all kinds of different directions, but I think so much about why was it necessary that Jesus died for us? Like, what what about his sacrifice? It, it of the sacrifice of his life was so important, and it's because it um it displayed to us the greatest sacrifice that a human can make for other people, uh, that there, there were, you know, God could have given up anything. God could have sacrificed anything. Material goods are not a thing that God is concerned with, but we needed to understand that our relationship to each other is, uh, is inherently one that like, uh, we, must give to each other we must sacrifice for one another and so we see Christ crucified we see his sacrifice as uh an indication of how we are to treat one another how we are to love one another and be with one another in this world like we must love each other you your characterization of sin is perfect it is the best explanation i've heard anyone uh you know have about what sin truly is it's not a series of rules it's not a list of things that you shouldn't do you know wag the finger it's it's um the separation from one another the unwillingness to give to one another that is sin that's us separating from each other and you know in 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 through that action separating ourselves from god
0: man it's ah uh, yes and so it's like uh it's almost like it's our it's like our perspective that needs to be reconciled it's like to use really big theology words it's like it's more so that we need a phenomenological transformation an experiential transformation rather than an ontological transformation where like somehow magic happens like in the death of jesus or something like that i don't know could be wrong but it's like so like that that reconciled nature of everything for me is made known in the life and death of jesus so like that's the like the life and death in jesus like makes known like i said that the the whole that really is and what jesus calls the kingdom of god and then like when we become aware (laughs) of this idea of the, the the kingdom of god and we we recognize the connectedness the the oneness the inner being of all things um and we see that there is no separation between us and God and us and each other then as Christians our job is to like you know Jesus said pray that the the kingdom of heaven will come you know on earth as it is in heaven the kingdom of God so like we can then live into the reality that is already present and seek to manifest the reality of the kingdom of God materially in places where it doesn't look like that currently so it's like building the kingdom of God there's transformation there's action there's like, there's a relationship with God, like it's all there. And it like ends up with us break, building the kingdom of God, which is awesome, because it ties in all the stuff I like within T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, it seems like a good vision, like that's something I could give my life to, you know,
1: it is, Um, it is the, uh, yeah, so it is so easy when we read scripture, sometimes like on a surface level to create this version of a reality of existence, that is, um, there's this upstairs floor of the world where God is. And that's, you know, when you die and you do good, then you go there. And then we're here. We're like in the lobby we're like in the waiting room, but God forbid you go to the basement, don't screw up and don't go to the basement. And, uh, and, and in a way it's like, okay, you can picture that, but then picture, okay, you're still in the same building, right? Uh, The more you can improve and love in this world now, that is actually making like, uh, we're going to bring these floors closer together, that the kingdom of God is uh, not there. It's not just there. It's not just here. It is all things so uh we want to if we can strive to make these two things more congruent more um more close more together more similar because in that way we can experience god more fully in the realm that we live in as challenging as it can be sometimes
0: no straight up i uh, and that's such a beautiful vision that leads to like wanting to take care of your neighbor wanting to to take care of the environment wanting to like not have war and violence and like all of these things like at that i mean i think that's like the core of like jesus's message was like stop doing all of this stupid shit like
1: please uh not being such a dick to one another yes
0: <laughs> right right <laughs> right oh man but that's just like ah uh, yes And that like, that's exciting. And and, like on days when I am sitting and wallowing in self-pity and I'm like, why do I even pay attention to this thing called Christianity? It's conversations like this and like this understanding of a cosmic Christ that is actually like, oh, like, that's why.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because what else?
0: Uh,
1: where nothing else would I go? Me, yeah, nothing fills me with wonder. Nothing inspires me to be better or try to be better because I fail constantly like we all do. Uh, nothing <laughs> makes me feel like I should more than the gospel, more than the message of Jesus. Uh, and, and and truly understanding the love that God has for humanity. I think it's it's incredible.
0: I'm here for it. <laughs> or at least I try to be. Oh, well, this has been fantastic. And we went way over time. And I apologize for that, because I know time is a valuable thing. So please forgive me for taking way too much time. But it this was such a gift. And this is, again, the most fun I've had about, you know, fun talking about the Bible I've had in a long time. So I, I appreciate that gift uh, from you.
1: Thank you. Honestly, thank you for having me. This has been Uh, such an edifying conversation for me I I find that it's like sometimes uh, you can like let talking about faith or reading scripture become a chore or a routine and if you can allow it to be exploratory and, and adventurous you can find such incredible things in it and and I really this was a blessing thank you again so much
0: yeah hopefully we can do it again sometime I hope so but in the meantime, have fun doing all those conversations with Dan about the Gospels. <laughs> those have been enjoying enjoyable to uh, listen to and also like keep nailing your podcast because like I said, I'm a fan and listeners, if you have not listened to Trans Regret Snoopy Presents the Bible, do yourself a favor, stop what you're doing and go do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I should I should plug you mentioned the the, plug the series I'm doing with Dan. Um, I, I have a Patreon for the podcast. It's patreon.com slash trans regret uh, for five bucks a month. You get access to two bonus episodes per month. Uh lately, one of which has been a series that I'm doing with Dan Koch from You Have Permission. We're doing this sort of like joint series. and um, but I've had all kinds of interesting conversations, uh, you know, with all kinds of people, Some of them actually pat- patrons of the podcast that uh, we meet and we talk every Wednesday night, we meet and we do a Bible study on the Patron Discord. Uh, we have these uh, amazing talks um there's a movie night uh, about once a month last time we did a, a a very odd japanese movie called love exposure that is a uh, four hours long and it was a, a truly transcendent uh, cinematic experience but honestly it's um you know it's just a real joy you know getting to to build this community and and have these awesome people um, to, to sort of bounce off uh, biblical ideas with I'm on uh, twitter I'm not gonna plug my handle on here because it's crude and I I've I've been meaning to change it but I honestly don't know what to change it to but yeah the podcast is called transfer snoopy presents the bible and um yeah I'd I'd invite anyone who kind of enjoyed this this little jaunt that we had into scripture to, to go check it out
0: yeah most definitely check it out you will not be disappointed and listeners thank you so much for hanging out with us today uh and I don't know go in peace and love And uh, have eyes to see the interconnectedness of all things. Amen. Amen.